Welcome to the Paperclip podcast uh, presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. I'm your host, Brett Stone, and this is season two, episode five. And obviously, thank you to the Paperclip podcast family for tuning in. Uh, you're very much appreciated. And the guest, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, Megan Tyrrell from Carlisle Family Funerals, who is a funeral director and is, I'm, I'm very, very interested to, uh, to get some uh, inside insight into the uh, funeral directing business here, as I'm sure all the guests are, or our, our listeners are as well. Thank you, Brett. Um, so the, the first question that we start with, um, and it's a favourite of mine and our audience. What was your very first job, and what did you? What do you think you learnt from it? Is that in funeral directing? No, just in your life. Your very first job. In my life, my very first job was folding sheets in a sheet factory. Um, I finished high school and had applied to get into nursing, but was a little bit young. Mm -hmm. um, so I got a job just folding sheets for three months. And then for six months, I worked in a nursing home, making beds and doing the laundry. And right. then I started my nursing training. Okay. And what, what's it like so, folding sheets in, in a factory? How does that work? It was, they literally came, we had machinists sitting there. We, they literally would just be flying off the machine and we'd be picking them up folding them in a certain way. We had a certain way we had to do it. Um, and then they'd go on to a, another um, conveyor belt type, type situation and then someone would package them. So you'd just literally be standing there picking up these sheets that are just coming straight from the um, overlocker. <laughs> okay. okay. Mind-numbingly boring, but, you know, I remember getting $85 a week for doing that. Hey, you can't argue with money like that. Uh, it was big money back then. It was a 17, nearly 18-year-old. That was like massive money. It was like, wow, look at this. I am so rich. And how many hours did you work for that? Uh, it was a normal uh, seven to three. Um, yep. And I'd catch the bus. It was at Richmond. Mm -hmm. And then catch the bus home because I wasn't obviously driving then. I wasn't quite 18. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, that lasted for about three or four months, but it was very seasonal. So, basically, it would be three or four months and then you'd be put off. Right. Um, and then you'd be called up again in six months. But after that six months, when I got called back, I had already, I'd got another job. So, okay, I didn't go back. Yeah. And because, so... um, yeah, basically, having a job in high school wasn't an option for me. I wasn't allowed to. I had to study. Okay. Yeah. And so, obviously, it's a big jump to go from um, folding sheets to funeral director. So, how did, you, how did you learn the skills required to become a funeral director? How did I segue into funeral directing? Well, I did, I did end up going to do my nursing. I was um, a career nurse, thought I always would be. Um, but I got a job in a laboratory, Dorovich Pathology. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job at the coroner's. Um, going out to the scenes and it was actually from there that I became a funeral director. I right. was headhunted by Alison Monkhouse okay. to coordinate 
um, Alison Monkhouse Funeral Directors. So I did that for four and a half years. Okay. So that's that's pretty much where I, I sort of fell into funeral directing, I guess. Yeah, okay. And what are some yeah. of the differences you found kind of over the years between um, working with other people versus, you know, how it is now, other than obviously with your business partner, Deb, but, you know, working alone essentially versus working with big groups of people. What are some of the big differences that you see? I, I guess some of the big differences is <laughs> we have to wash our own hearse now. Didn't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess everyone had their roles in, in like at, at Alison Monk House and then I was general manager at Kingston Funerals. And everyone had their roles. So you had your embalmer, you had your FDAs, your funeral director assistants. Mm -hmm. You had your funeral directors, which are the ones that go out and actually... Um, organise the funerals with the families, uh, do all the background work. But you had your coordinators who would get your certificates. Who, so there was someone to do a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Now with Deb and I, we have to do everything, including washing the hearse. <laughs> and what are some of the biggest challenges, especially, um, you know, early on when, you, when you're looking at um, going from having, as you say, all these different sort of departments and people that do the different stages, what were some of the kind of the, the trickiest parts of doing that yourself? I guess the trickiest parts was was finding our, our where we both stood in the business, I guess. You know, what was my role? What was Deb's role? Deb hadn't actually been a funeral director per se in regard to organising funerals. She'd been the coordinator. So she had had a very different role. I had been lucky enough to have various roles um, through the different places I'd worked. So I had sort of been, I was, I'm a bit of a jack of all trade in the funeral industry. So I can do the transfers, I can coordinate, I can arrange and conduct. Um, I can do all the facets of funeral directing. Deb had uncoordinated. So I guess it was um, balancing where she sort of stepped in um, as opposed to what I was doing um, and making sure that we weren't doubling up. Uh, I guess making sure that everything was in place myself because I didn't have anyone to fall back on. And that's probably a, a really important lesson for, for any of our audience watching or listening in, uh, if they're in a, a partnership or in a group is that, you know, understanding what each other's role is and mm. obviously looking at what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and making sure that you're really leading with your strengths for whatever it is that you're contributing to the business. Mm, exactly. And, and I, I guess that's what, what we had to find was, was that balance. Um, so that one person wasn't sort of taking on too much of a role. Um, and, and, and Deb's learned a lot. And as I, I mean, anyone who says they don't need to learn anymore in any profession is a bit of a fool. You, you are always learning. And funeral directing in particular, there's so many different facets to funeral directing. It isn't just a case of burying or cremating someone. You've got repatriations where we send... Um, people home overseas who unfortunately passed away here. Um, you know, you've got an ex exhumation if, if someone does decide they want to um, to bring someone back and up, not back, but uh, up and new grave somewhere else. Um, that has been done. There's been court challenges between families and mum's been taken from Faulkner Cemetery and 
placed over at Springvale and there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of um, le legalities to both repatriations and exhumations. I imagine that would be a very delicate process. Extremely, extremely. Um, in funeral directing, you, I mean, you're dealing with people who are grieving anyway. So already their emotional status is, is heightened. Um, you're dealing sometimes with feuding families. Um, you, you've got to really be very neutral and, and let everyone know that you're there to look after them all. It's not just about the person that's passed away. It's very much about the, the family dynamics and the family around that person that, that we've got to make sure are looked after and, and, and cared for just as much as the person who has been passed away. That's, you know, as, as somebody who inevitably will have to use your services at some point, that's, uh, it's comforting to know that that's how you feel about it. Yeah, look, you definitely, I think it's extremely important that the family feel comfortable with us. Um, and, and we build a rapport. That's where we're finding it a little bit difficult at the moment with these challenging times. We often, I mean, we, we always go out and sit with the family and, and go through everything. And I give them as much time as they need. I don't hold them. I never make appointments too close that I have to make them feel rushed. Mm -hmm. um, and now with this social distancing and I'm not supposed to be going to the family homes, unless they've got something like what we're on now, there's, there's not that face-to-face -face personal contact. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, a massive part of funeral directing is having that, that interpersonal, um, that, that's, that personal touch, that, that look, here I am and here you are and, and I'm here to help you. And that's very difficult to get across over the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. so when you consider all of those things and the challenges that are involved, what made you want to work for yourself? Oh, I guess without saying too much about the company I worked for, there are a few differences of opinions. Um, I will never succumb to the cremations over the border, which a lot of funeral directors are now doing. So basically what's happening is they are taking vans full of coffins to crematoriums over the border because it's cheaper for them, much cheaper for them. And I believe that everyone should be treated individually and taken in a hearse individually. It's personal. I don't want, I know I certainly wouldn't want one of my relatives in a van with eight other people. Some people won't have a problem with that. Obviously they don't because it's happening, but I won't ever do that. Um, with unattended cremations and they're, you know, probably the ones that have the least amount of contact in regard to, to personal interaction with families. I still go out to families and sit with them. Uh, unless they specifically say, just send me the paperwork, which there are some that, that are very business. Um, I believe in still going out. I think they should meet the people that are looking after their loved ones. I think they should get to know me a little bit. Yeah, um, absolutely. People are entrusting me with one of their most precious family members. 
So the least that could happen is me come, give them the courtesy of coming out to actually see them, not making it all business. Absolutely. Um, and I do believe that I still offer to dress um, if they would like them dressed. Often in nursing homes, they're already nicely washed and, and they've been placed in something nice and clean, clean pair of pyjamas, a clean nighty. Mm -hmm. I say to the family, would you like them left? Or would you, is there something you'd like them in? And often there was a special outfit that they want mum or dad or grand dressed in. And even though they're not going to see them, it's still really important that we spend the time and give that person the dignity of giving them a, a wash, brush their hair, just making them um, tidy and clean. And um, it's same with funerals, whether there's a viewing or not, we still get everyone dressed and, and ready. And I always say to the family, if you say no to me now, just know that that's not the end. At the funeral, if you say to me, no, no, I do want to see mum, I've got no problem taking you in quietly mm. and, and giving you that time. Yeah, and for me, I, it, I mean, to me, it's hard to imagine whether you're going to have a, a viewing or not. Um, for me, it's hard to imagine... Um, not getting that opportunity to, to let them look their best one last time. Absolutely. Whether you're seeing them or not, it, it's just nice to know that mum went in her favourite dress. Yeah, that's right. Or dad, dad wore those daggy tracksuit pants that he always did wear. And I often say to families, I say, oh, what do we put them in? I say, what did they wear normally? What was their favourite? And I say, oh, dad always wore his, his pair of shorts and his um, polo. Oh, that's what That's what dad should be in. Yeah, that's yep. right. Mm. So what were some of the things that you did right in the beginning when you went from just having an idea to it becoming a business? I guess it was the logistics. We had to, um, we had to find someone first who would help us in regard to the mortuary care mm -hmm. um, because setting up a mortuary is extremely expensive. Um, and there's a lot of rules and regulations. You can't just go into a building and, and put a mortuary in. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to get lots of permits and things. So I guess um, it was it was finding someone who would do our mortuary work. Um, luckily enough, I had many contacts um, in the funeral industry, so that wasn't too difficult. Um, and seeing if they could also hire a hearse. I mean, hearses are extremely expensive. So I guess it was just doing that groundwork to see if logistically we could start. And from there, it was, I guess, waiting for your first funeral, which came in on the 30th of May last year. So so you, you're only, uh, you know, what, two months away from celebrating your first year. Mm. And we've looked after 103 families. Wow, that's incredible. Mm. Mm. So that must feel like, you know, a real success for you guys. You know, it's not like you, you've only had a handful of funerals and you're sort of, you're sort of struggling. It's uh, 103 funerals with, you know, obviously mm. based on that, probably another 20 or 30 or go before, uh, to go before the end of yeah, year. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you know, obviously things have changed um, in the funeral industry with, with all the re uh, recent um, challenging times we've um, been restricted mm -hmm. on how many so a lot of people are actually pulling funerals they're having unattended cremations mm -hmm. and um, they're then going to have memorials yep. later down the track 
So there's going to be, you know, like, like a lot of businesses, like a lot of um, industries, funeral directing will hurt as well. Mm. But I guess the other day what we did for one unattended cremation, um, th this, this gentleman was a jockey, had a beautiful coffin with um, racehorses coming down the track mm. on it. And then his funeral was actually going to be at um, Yarra Valley Race Club. And it was the week that everything got shut down and the race club got shut down and the nursing home, his wife is still with us. His ner the nursing home said, if you take her mum out, you can't bring her back in. So they said, well, we can't have a funeral without mum. So it became an unattended cremation, but down the track, they're going to have a memorial. So what we did was we actually filmed the hearse coming down Frankston Dandenong Road and into Bunurong. And then Deb got back in her car and ran around the other part of the cemetery and watched the hearse weave through. And they're putting that on the end of the DVD presentation. So when it's memorial time, it's still tangible to them. It's still a visual um, of Dad taking his final final journey. Yeah, that's terrific. So we're trying to think of ways that we can um, help people have that closure um, that can't attend. You know, they can always get in the car and, and watch the hearse themselves come through. And that, that's what's going to help them. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a sign of, um, you know, it's a really great reflection of that, you know, something that Australians have been known for for so long around the world, that Aussie ingenuity, you know, where we just mm -hmm. seem to find a way, we come up with, a, you know, a, an idea or a different way to do something. And it's just like, we're just going to get on with it. And this is how we're, we're going to change or pivot to, to be able mm -hmm. to accommodate that. And to see you and Deb, um, you know, in these incredibly challenging times, especially for your industry, where you go from having funerals that might have hundreds of people attending to now only being allowed to have seven plus, you know, three staff or that kind of thing there is a very difficult time. And so I'm um, just thinking on your feet with little things like that getting video, getting photos, things that will, will matter to families, not only now, but later, is, is great to see. Yeah, well, live streaming, um, you know, fa through Facebook live streaming, there's, there's ways that we can do it. Look, unfortunately, there's going to be families um, who won't accept it. Mm. We had not a great day today with a, a young fellow, um, Sperial, and it wasn't my, it wasn't Carlisle. I had hired the hearse out. Um, so I went along as I go as a driver. Um, and about 30 people showed up. And basically we had to say, you've got, you've got to move on. You can't be here. Um, you know, it's, it's very difficult for funeral directors because these are all important people to that, that person that's passed away. Absolutely. And, and some of them are really struggling with, that that whole being told, well, no, you because you're that little bit removed, um, you know, sister, mum, dad, um, uncle, couple of others, you, you've filled that 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 number that we're allowed to have, and that's even graveside, even on the outside. Um, so, you know, but obviously everyone today thought that they could come and potentially. That, like you know, that can cause lots of fines, not only for us as a company um, or for, for the company that I was working with, mm. um, it, it's individual fines 
as well because they were all huddled. Yeah. They weren't listening. Mm. How do you say to someone grieving, uh, you can't hug, sorry. Mm, or that you <laughs> can't be here. You can't be here at, at generally uh, at all. And, um, you know, it's, it, it is being policed. It is being watched. And funeral directors need to be mindful at the moment that um, the government can pull this if, if we don't do the right thing. Absolutely. And so mm. I think um, that's obviously um, a, a big challenge, not just for you, but obviously for the whole industry. And uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll certainly talk a little bit about um, some of the personal challenges you, you might have experienced along this journey as well. But what I'd love to know right now is what really excites you about your business? What excites you about Carlisle Family oh, Funerals? I just think, I'm just really proud of Deb and I for, for doing this. I think, you know, here's who in their right mind in, the, in our 50s would give up really good paying jobs and start their own business from scratch. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm really excited about Carlisle moving forward and becoming um, a, 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 an entity that's known out in the community and a caring one at that. Um, and I think that's, really our aim is that Carlisle Family Funerals becomes a household name um, without getting too big that we're going to lose that. We don't want to ever lose that personal. So I guess it's just the growing. We, we bought the, our own hearse and that was a big move because uh, they're not cheap. Um, we're now in our own premises in Carrum Downs. So setting that up was really exciting. Yeah. So we now get up and go to the office you're not as motivated when you're at home. <laughs> but now you're, you know, now that we've got the office, we're like, yep, up, off we go. Um, we go to work now. We go. We're not in the house. And do you know, Netflix is a great thing. And for, at the moment, Netflix is a wonderful thing. But it's not great when you're sitting there in the afternoon. Oh, we'll just watch one episode of Nine Niners and 20 episodes later, it's, oh, okay. So, look, we're just really excited about moving the business, growing the business, I guess, um, and, and maybe putting one or two people on um, and being able to do, um, you know, more funerals and, and helping more families. Absolutely. That is exciting, I'm sure. And so what are some of the, you know, some of the personal challenges that you've faced? Obviously, we, we get all different kinds from people on the podcast, you know, everything from, you know, relationships or friendships that are strained or, or, you know, tense through to, you know, struggling to get any sleep or struggling financially. There's all kinds of things that, you know, as business owners, especially small business owners, we struggle mm. with in the early days or when you're first starting. What are some of the, the personal challenges that you've faced? I guess as a funeral director and my friends and family would be laughing if they watched this. You can never rely on a funeral director, friend, mum, family member. To us, our when we get a call, that is our priority. Um, in the middle of the night, my phone sits on my bedside table all night. So I can be woken up any time of the night, any time of the day. I'm 24-7. Um, challenges wise, I guess sometimes when you're missing something that you really, really wanted to be at, um, it could be a little, little hard, but 
you know, it, it, at the end of the day, you, you you just know that what you're doing means something to someone. And I love what I do. I really do love what I do. Mentally exhausting sometimes. Today was extremely challenging. He was only a young young man who felt that um, life was too hard. Um, you know, watching that raw grief has always affected me. And I do come home really tired from from just being being there. But I guess we're there to support them, aren't we? Yeah, and I imagine that would be, you know, uh, you know, probably the one of the most challenging jobs for anybody to do would be to be a funeral director because, you know, like you said, you're getting that first phone call when often people are at their their most, um, you know, their most challenged, their most kind of emotional as vulnerable. well. And vulnerable, exactly. And then your your job is to, you know, kind of absorb that and be like a giant cushion or pillow for them almost while they you know while they kind of overcome that that grief or that emotion while leading them through the process and helping them make these incredibly important decisions that you know in most cases they'll never get to make again they only get one shot at getting it right and so that Mm -hmm. that trust and that um that relationship that they have to form with you in such a short amount of time um is so important obviously and then right through to know being there on the day and having to witness that that grief that that um that as you say raw emotion that people go through um must be quite a roller coaster and and you know i'm sure i'm not the first one to say it but you know i'm sure on behalf of anybody that's watching this at the moment i'm sure they would want to say you know thank you for what you and deb do for for all of us you know whether it's um you know running the the whole funeral or whether it's like you said, learning the hearse out for a day and being the driver, whatever it is you're playing, such a huge part in incredible, um, in, you know, at a very important moment for, for everybody. So, you know, I would certainly want to say thank you and, and it must be a huge challenge. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, and, and we, um, I know Deb struggles as well sometimes um, with, the, with the raw grief, um, but at the end of the day, it is, it is lovely to be able to guide people through this and help them and and um, and and hopefully we make them feel that they are cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to feel that I say to my families all the time, my phone is on 24-7. If you're having a tough time, just give me a call. Absolutely. Yeah, don't lie there worrying about something. If you can give me a call and we can chat about it and then you can get some sleep. So yeah. you really it's important that they know that we are there right through and we're also there afterwards as well if they're having a you know there's been some widows that don't have anyone and they haven't known quite what to do on certain things they just give us a call and i'll I'll advise them all i can and and help them out so given you know all of that not just um you know the day-to-day but also you know building a business and growing a business especially in your first year how important is it for you to be around other business owners Oh, extremely. And I think, and I learned a lot from being around different types of business owners and, and just listening to some of their perspectives on, um, on ways to do things. Um, obviously it doesn't always suit what we do. Um, but you know, listening to different 
different ways to do things, different thinking, I guess, is, is a, a real learning um, experience. And um, I've actually learned a lot from being around um, different business owners because, I mean, this is our, this is our first um, business. I've always worked for someone. So it's, it's challenging suddenly just being um, everything, all the responsibility is yours. Um, you know, I, I don't know BAS. I don't even know what it stands for. So that's their job. <laughs> and the accountant, <laughs> my job is to do the funerals. But, you know, I, I'm, tr I'm trying to learn what all the different facets of the business are so that, you know, and I am interested, but hearing other people talk about their day-to-day -day, um, experiences and, and things that challenges that they're facing you can and hopefully you know maybe you can help them maybe you can say hey listen i did i know what that's like i did x y and z so it's it's great being around other people yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more and that's the um you know i've said it but people are probably sick of me saying it on the podcast but that's the, the whole reason that i started the podcast was because you know being around other business owners i've certainly learned a lot in the three years that um that i've been running um, BSDA and so for me I certainly I know I wouldn't be where I am now um, and I know you know I won't get to five years or ten years without being around some people that are smarter than me so I think mm. it's, it's really important mm. to to just be around people and like you said just listen to, to what they're going through what you know being part of um, a BNI group is is so important just from that perspective mm. what you as a business owner by being around other more experienced business owners is, is worth it alone. So, yeah. Mm, definitely. And if you had to do all of it again, knowing what you know now, you know, eight months, oh, sorry, 10 months in, um, what do you think you'd do differently, if anything? Oh, I don't think Deb would do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Look, I, I, we've, Deb and I have actually talked about this and one of the things we, we probably would have done differently was we, we did make a bit of a, a business plan, well, what we thought was a business plan, mm -hmm. but it could have been far better than what it was. And I think in hindsight, we probably would have gone for a business loan rather than put money in ourselves and perhaps started in a premises, started with a little office of our own, not work from home. Okay. Um, I working from home didn't work well for us. It, it's, um, you know, I'd come home from two arrangements and I'd sit on the couch and then the next day I'd be flying through paperwork because I should have gone home. I should have gone and home and started it. I now go back to the office and I get it all sorted. I order what I need to order. I do what I need to do. So when I do come home, things are done. Yep. I can relax. So I, I think I wouldn't have that, that home um, work. It, it didn't balance out coming from home. So definitely a better business plan, better, uh, definitely some sort of business loan um, to come in a little bit um, stronger than what we did. Mm. And over your career, no doubt you've, You've had some um, great leaders or people that you've worked with 
um, that have given you good advice? What do you think the best advice that you've been given over your career has been? Oh, do you know, in all honesty, because I was a quick care nurse and an ICU nurse, mm -hmm. um, I've been um, a career nurse. And I remember a, a, one of the charge nurses once said to me, breathe, walk away, count to three, breathe, come back, be kind. No matter what people do, no matter what they say, don't respond in anger because it can get you into trouble. And that's that goes for business and personal. Really, you want to establish good relationships with people. You want to, to have people um, feel that they can approach you. Mm -hmm. So I just remember us saying that to us all, um, especially, I mean, when we used to do trauma, um, we had to have very much a calming face and, and I can tell you underneath and it's sometimes on funerals too, when the coffin gets stuck halfway down that hole, um, the family won't pick that there's even anything wrong. It's, it's about keeping that calm. You're not going to be efficient if you panic at the end of the day. That's, um, that's uh, an incredible piece of advice right there. Mm. Mm. Walk away, walk away, breathe. And, you know, let the, let your brain think, think it through and um, you'll, you'll be okay. And so I want to, I want to shift gears just a little bit from business to, to like the advertising and, and marketing side of things for the business. Mm -hmm. Yep. Tell us about how you got your first customer. Um, oh, our first customer was from the Langwarren local Facebook page. That morning I had, because on Wednesdays, the Langy local uh, Facebook page, you're allowed to advertise your business. Mm -hmm. And that morning I had put something on and uh, we got a phone call from it that night for a local. Mm. Terrific. And did that go? That was how the one. Ah, uh, brilliant! That jeez, uh, we thought we were all set up. We weren't. You should have seen the running around we had to do in the in the few days. <laughs> but um, it it, um, it it was a real learning curve as as far as how prepared we were and would. Um, so by the next funeral, we were pretty much ready ready to go. And the next one came from a referral through a friend. Um, only a week later, and then they. They just sort of rolled from their different different avenues. Um, but in the early days, a lot was um, was referrals through friends and and family. And uh, you know, we've obviously talked a, a lot about your you know your, your ability to um, you know to to make families feel comfortable and and trusted and and um, welcome, but. What do you? What are some of the things that that you can identify that you do to make your customers feel special? Um, I guess <laughs> I'm I'm quite lucky. I have quite a happy sort of nature about me. Always have, and I'm a chatterbox. And so I I I'm. It's quite natural for me to chat to people. I don't have an issue chatting to people. So the way I chat to my kids and my friends and, and everyone around is how I go in and chat to families. 
I'm, it's me. What you, what you see is what you get. And that really, that resonates with families, I guess, because I'm not coming in being all false and, and fake and, and saying the right with things. There's nothing right to say. Um, and I guess it's reading people too. You, you've really got to read, be able to read people and, um, and respond appropriately. And when you think back to, to all the different advertising or marketing that you've done for the business, what's an example of something where you thought this is going to be brilliant, this is going to really work well, and then it was just a disaster? Um, oh, when we first started, we were talked into, um, oh, I'm trying to think what it's called. It's that pop-up advertising. So mm -hmm. if someone's looking for a nursing home, our Carlisle family funerals will pop up. Right, okay. um, I, I don't know what it's called. It was through News Corp, cost us a fortune and got us nowhere. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that was a real learning curve of what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I think all up in the first three months that cost us about $15,000 right. and it, it honestly got us nowhere. Mm. I think, I honestly think that was the sort of marketing you do once your brand's already out there at small brand awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, we were only brand new. No one had ever heard of us. So they're not going to, we're not going to be stuck in their head. Oh, what was that ad popping up? It, because no one had heard from us, heard about us in the first place. So, yeah, um, that was a disaster. We um, really, I, I think Google has probably been our biggest success. And a site called Gathered Here, which is a funeral comparison site, mm -hmm. uh, we joined them and we got a lot of funerals from there. So we, if we um, get a lead from them and we win that funeral, uh, we pay them a fee. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what do you think has been the most valuable free tool that you've used either to promote the business or create for the business? Oh, Facebook, a Facebook okay. page. Um, definitely I get that out. Look, every now and again I boost the post, but not often. So if I do pay for it, it's only about $50. But really, like, you know, ultimately Facebook's free. Um, so that's been a really good interaction. Um, I think we're up to about 310 people on our Facebook page now. Um, so so free-wise, yeah, there's that. I've um, tried to... I've, I've tried to join... Places. I mean, I guess that's not free, but you know, it's a lower cost type advertising, mm -hmm. um, like your Chamber of Commerce, BNI, and um, more to to put our business forward, mm -hmm. um, but also to learn. It's it's been a bit of a two way street for me, in, in especially BNI. I didn't just join to get my business out there. I joined too because I knew that I'd I'd learn quite a lot from other people there so whilst that's got a small price to it it's not expensive mm. but definitely facebook as far as free definitely facebook okay and there's only uh, a couple of questions to go but they're often uh you know my, my favorites as well um 
What's the next big thing for Carlisle Family Funerals? We're hoping the next best big thing is um, that we do enough funerals that we can actually employ someone. Mm -hmm. We'd like to bring someone on board and have a third team member. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of what we're, we're hoping. Um, obviously, challenging times. I think any businesses, if, if they're still going at all, are going to find it very hard to grow in this um, climate. Mm -hmm. But um, when this is all done one day, um, we would like to grow big enough that we can actually afford to, to, to bring another team member on, have three of us. And, what's and I'm not going to wash the hearse ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you think, you know, before we got the best advice you ever got, but what's the best advice you can give the Paperclip family? Oh, the best. Just treat everyone well. Treat people with kindness. Um, just be yourself. And and just look after one another. And I think, um, you know, good things always come around. Yeah, absolutely. That's terrific advice. And mm. I must say, um, it has certainly been um, a thread through the last few podcast episodes um, that there's definitely a consistent message amongst the, the last sort of handful of people, especially yeah. that, I've, that I've interviewed talking about this. And I think... Uh, I do think a lot of it has to do with the, the mentality of being a, a business owner in that, you, you know, most of the time people start a business because they see an opportunity to help other people. Um, mm. But also I think um, it, it's, I think it's very much in, uh, in our nature during troubling times like we have at the moment that we are very, very focused on making sure that we're treating other people well. Mm. Definitely. And, and, you know, I say, regardless of funerals, regardless of what I do for a profession, on a personal note, I'm always here for people if, if they need something. I'm one of the workers that is allowed out at the moment. If someone needs something put on their doorstep, I'll, I'll pop through and pop it on their doorstep for them. So if, um, if anyone would like to learn more about what Carlisle families do or their mm -hmm. available packages or services, you can yep. check them out at carlofunerals.com.au. Absolutely. I always like to finish the show with a quote. And I, I found this one and I thought uh, from Helen Keller, and I thought it was, uh, it was very fitting for, for you being a funeral director as our guest today. Uh, the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. Definitely. Never truer words spoken because um, all we have in the end is memories and the feelings that people gave us. They're not going to remember um, what we physically gave them. They're going to remember how we made them feel. Very true. And thank you very much for being our guest today, Megan. No worries. Thank you, Brett. You've been listening or watching the Paperclip podcast presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. If you'd like to learn more about growing your business, head to bsda.com.au. And until next time, keep growing. <laughs>